This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're going to break a little news on the podcast. Our guest is Lonnie Chen. Now, some of you may recognize him as one of the smart panelists on Meet the Press or Face the Nation or on Fox News. He was the chief policy director for Mitt Romney's presidential campaigns and for Marco Rubio's 2016 bid. And I've gotten to know him over the years uh, for being on TV with them, various places, and have often quoted him as a source in my stories in the Chronicle. He lives in Mountain View here in the Bay Area and is a fellow at the conservative Hoover Institution at Stanford University where he teaches. But today he's got something else to talk about that may surprise some people, and it may become one of the most talked about political stories of the next year here in California. And now, here's my conversation with Lonnie Chen. Lonnie Chen, from your home in Mountain View to my home in Oakland, welcome to It's All Political. How you doing, bud? Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. So now, political junkies may know you from... Uh, you know, you're uh, one of one of the smart panelists on Meet the Press, or Face the Nation. You're on CNN and Fox. We've been together uh, many times on KQED's newsroom. Yes, we have. Uh, you, they may know you from your writing at CNN, or Republicans may know you from your work at the Hoover Institution. Uh, I, they Chronicle readers may know you from uh, the many times I've quoted you in my stories. But today you have a little news to drop uh, that might be a little surprising to some people. What are you going to be doing for the next several months of your life? Well, yeah, Joe, it is news, and I'm glad to be able to share it with you and with your audience. Uh, I'm going to be running for California State Controller, which is one of our statewide constitutionally uh, elected officers, uh, the chief fiscal officer of the state. Uh, you know, it's really the chief fiscal watchdog of the state. The primary responsibility of the controller is to make sure that taxpayer money is being spent as people say it's being spent. There's an audit function that's very important that the controller plays. There's a transparency element to this, making sure that Californians understand how their money is being spent. And I really think, Joe, this is one of the keys to addressing uh, some of the challenges we face in California. And, and so I'm excited about the opportunity. I'm excited to meet people all over the state. And I'm excited to tell people more about the job, which you know, the first reaction is always kind of like, what does a controller do? <laughs> And, and for me, as this sort of wonk at heart, the policy wonk at heart, I really enjoy the opportunity to tell people about the job and the ways I think it can have impact in their lives. Yes. I mean, the, the question is, well, why, why in the hell do you want to do this? You have a great gig right now. I see I do. a lovely home in Mountain View, which is doubles as your uh, kid's uh, bunny. You said the, they keep Yeah, we have a there. bunny that we got during the pandemic, and uh, her name is Roxy, and she's over. Uh, you can't see. She's off camera. She's off but camera. If right you can now. imagine, she has a, a, a setup just, just to the side here. Yes. But why, why the hell do you want to do this job? This, the, you're jumping into the, the, the muck of politics. You have great gigs right now. Why in the hell do you want to do this? Yeah. You know, I, I've spent my life thinking and writing and solving these sort of big problems that we face in our state and in our country. And I focused a lot on the fiscal issues in particular, you know, the, the dollars and cents, 
trying to understand uh, why things aren't getting done the way they should be getting done. And I think I, like a lot of other Californians, am, am kind of frustrated with some of these basic problems not being solved, Joe. You know, we look at all the issues we have in our state. By the way, it's a wonderful state. I grew up in California. I grew up in Southern California. We moved back here, my wife and I, to start our family. We live in California now. Uh, it's a wonderful state, but there are issues. There are some things we've got to get solved. And you know, to a certain degree, while I've been engaged in the public debate, I've had a chance to write about and talk about and describe my solutions to these issues. Uh, it's a whole other thing to actually get those solutions put into practice, to actually get them uh, into the public space in a different way. And I think you kind of have to put yourself out there if you're gonna do it. And so it is a big transition for me and for our family. It's, it's gonna be very different from the kind of work that I've been doing, I, I think in a, a certain regard, but you know, I think people look at that and they say, you know what, here's someone who isn't a career politician. He's not someone who's just been out there going from one job to another. Uh, my background is different in that way. And, you know, I really look forward to talking to people about why I think that I'm a great fit for this job at this time. Well, I think, uh, I think a question a lot of voters may have is like, you know, super smart guy, you have your undergraduate, your law degree and your PhD from Harvard. You're, no question. Don't hold that, that against you know, me. <laughs> Somebody will, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, but why should they vote for you? You've never held elective office before. Uh, and why they trust the, 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 this fiscal watchdog role to you uh, over the you know world's, uh, what are we, fourth largest economy? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think they'll look at my experience in kind of solving problems, thinking about problems, having a really thoughtful approach to problems. And I think that's going to appeal to people. They'll say, hey, look, here's someone who understands these issues that are at the core of why our state isn't functioning the way it should be. You know, how do we create a more accountable government? How do we solve big challenges around our finances, around how we're spending our money, around where that money is going? And they'll look at the experience I, you know, I have had. I've, I've been in government. I've served in Republican administrations. I've also served in a Democratic administration. Uh, I have addressed directly some of these issues that California is facing now, particularly around how we can create a more nimble and a more innovative and a more responsive economy. Uh, these are all the sorts of questions and the kinds of issues I have spent my career dealing with. So I think they'll look at my experience and say, yeah, yeah he hasn't been elected, but he understands these issues. And you know what? We need someone with ideas and energy and dynamism and a thoughtfulness about these things. And, and then in terms of never having been elected before, Joe, I, I frankly see that as an advantage. You know, I think people are sick and tired of the same old, same old. We've been sending through the same kind of people to Sacramento to do this job, people who sort of jump from one political job to another. They really go and run for controller because they don't have anything else to do with their time and, and their energy. So they think, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go be controller. And, and I don't think that people want that anymore. I think they want something a little bit different in that regard. And I'm going to go out there and make the case and say, listen, if, if you want the same old, you know, guy who's been or guy or gal who's been elected six times to these different offices and now decides because they have no time left in the legislature or because they're bored sitting on some other border commission here in California, they're going to go run for, for controller. You know, I'm not your guy. But if you want something different, then, you know, let, let, let's have a conversation. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You were uh, you actually born in North Carolina. I didn't I was. realize it. I was. Yeah. And then you you, yeah. you moved to California. Your your folks immigrated here from Taiwan in the 70s. Your dad's a doctor, uh, mom's a chemist. Yep. Um, how did how did their story uh, inform and shape who you are? 
Well, in your it's, politics. you know, I, I mean, it's, it's going to sound trite, but it, it is really the great American story. It's people from a different part of the world who came to America in, in search of something better. And they met each other and they fell in love and they had a family. And they, they, came, they came here for school. Correct? They, they came here for, for school in the 1970s yeah. from Taiwan. They actually met in Ohio. Uh, you know, they, they, they were, my, my dad was doing uh, some medical training there. My mother was at the University of Akron and they met there, uh, moved to North Carolina. You know, my dad finishes medical training. My mom actually taught at Fort Bragg, which is an army installation near, near Fayetteville, which is where I was born in North Carolina. We spent six years there in North Carolina. Um, I have, I have very limited, but positive memories of our time there. And, and then I spent my childhood in Southern California. When I was six, we moved to the LA basin to Southern California uh, and, uh, and an LA suburb and you know, spent my, my formative years there, went to high school in Southern California, went to a public high school in a city called Roland Heights. It's not actually technically a city, it's an unincorporated part of LA County. But anyway, it's, it's about 25 miles east of downtown LA. And um, you know, my parents, I grew up uh, with that sort of immigrant mentality because my parents had had come from Taiwan and they were all about, you know, kind of getting, you know, getting their kids to have a better life than even they did. You know, that was such a big part of their mentality, education, uh, spending time with family. You know, I, um, I remember spending a lot of time uh, with my family growing up. We, we, we had an opportunity to travel around the country a bit. So I got to see, you know, different parts of the country. And it, it, none of it seemed to compare to California. I got to say, like growing up in LA, it was hot, it was smoggy, but it was awesome. Uh, and uh, Joe, I know we're going to get into a fight over this at some point, but you know, I'm a Laker and Dodger fan. Yes. I, that, believe me, that's, that question is on the list here. Uh, we can, we can talk about How are you going to get over that? How are you going to get over that? We've, uh, you know, you know, once, once, you, you once, 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 a, once a Dodger and Laker fan, always a Dodger and Laker uh, fan. You, you just killed your candidacy. I, I, I realize, I realize in the Bay area, this is going to be a challenge, but you know, I figure, Hey, why that can't really hide from that. So, <laughs> but, but anyway, I mean, j- just to finish the thought, I, um, you know, I was very fortunate to have parents who made the decision to come to America and who, who decided that they were going to uh, invest in their kids and invest in their family. And that mentality, you know, America is stronger and California is stronger when we welcome people from around the world. I believe very strongly in that. And, and we need to do everything we can. And that's what's going to keep California, by the way, the engine of innovation in this country is, is if we continue to have an attitude that we welcome people who want to come to California and make it a stronger and better place to live, just like my parents did, you know, 35 years ago. So uh, right out of school, you went to work in Washington. You hooked yep. up with the George W. Bush administration. Yep. Uh, and then worked on the, uh, you, you found you were a policy guy. You are a health policy guy yeah. initially, correct? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you found your way to Governor Romney's campaign, then Governor Romney, Mitt Romney. Uh, and, and you worked, uh, you were his chief policy advisor in 2008, 2012, when he ran for uh, president. You've had expressed a lot of admiration over the years. I've, we've talked about uh, Governor Romney. Why, why is that? What is it about Mitt Romney that you identify with and you like? Well, you know, let, let me just say, first of all, that um, I, I have had the opportunity to work with a lot of great leaders over the years. You know, I was proud to serve in President Bush's administration, as you noted. Uh, I've worked on health care issues in his administration uh, I, you know, have come across a, a lot of great people. Mitt Romney, someone I've I've known for many years, and and the the Mitt Romney I know and have gotten to know over the years is is, is just a man of of integrity and character, and and the way that he lives his life, 
um, to me is very admirable. And, and that's something as I have known him and as he's been a mentor to me, um, you know, I value our friendship, I value our relationship, I value his intellect. And I think he helped me to uh, understand what it means to be civically minded too. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up with politics in my family, Joe. You, know, my, you mentioned earlier, my parents, dad's a doctor, mom's a chemist, you know, they sort of, um, I think had, had hope that maybe I would, um, you know, make, make an, uh, an honest living as a doctor or, a, or, a, or an engineer or a scientist, something that, that was comfortable. And, you know, I went outside the realm of that and I got involved in policy and politics and it was a very different world for me. I didn't start with a network in politics. I didn't start with a last name like Kennedy or, or you know, Pelosi or, you know, a, a last name that people would recognize. Or Bush. <laughs> or Bush, or Bush, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I had to build my um, career from scratch in that sense. And there were a lot what, of times- What made you a, where'd, where'd you become a Republican? You came from the liberal elite of, uh, bastion of liberal elite there at Harvard. How did you become, a, were you the were the, the odd duck in the class or Well, or you know, no, there's actually a, 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 a contingent of, uh, of, you know, sort of conservative center right to right uh, leaning folks at, at, at Harvard and, and at other schools as well. Um, you know, I trace my kind of political identity in that way back to uh, the presidential debate. I think it was in 1988 when Michael Dukakis was the Democratic nominee and George H.W. Bush was the Republican nominee. And uh, I remember Bush during that debate, uh, that debate, the one I'm thinking of actually was more well known for the answer that Dukakis gave about what, what he would have done if his wife Kitty uh, right. Bernard Shaw asked the him, Bernie right? Shaw question. Yeah, yes. and 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 it, that's why people remember that debate. That's not really why I remember the debate. I remember it for a riff that that uh, pres then Vice President Bush had about the creation of an opportunity society and the notion that we wanted a place where people who worked hard and played by the rules uh, could succeed. And that was the America that he foresaw. And you know that really got me interested. That's the first real political memory I have was that debate. And really kind of wanting to know more, you know, what does it mean to be a Republican? What does it mean to be a Democrat? And for me, that that focus on individual responsibility and the max, you know, the maximization of opportunity and really having the freedom in many ways to live that American dream, those were things to me that were very, very appealing. And you know, it doesn't mean that over the years I've you, know, you can talk about sort of Republican orthodoxy if there is such a thing. Over the years, I've developed my own thoughts about all sorts of different issues. And Joe, you and I have talked about a number of those issues in the past. But um, I think that's my, my memory of a Republican kind of identity rooted in those principles. And, and, and that's really kind of the first uh, political memory I have. But I mean, just to come back to your original question, I, I think that uh, as I've thought about this transition into a different kind of public life and running for office, uh, it is informed by the experiences of people who I've worked for and worked with over the years. And everybody I've spoken to during this journey, as I've thought about running and made the decision with my family to run, everybody I've spoken to has said, you know what, there are few ways that you can contribute as impactfully and as fully as, as jumping in. And yes, it is a sacrifice. Yes, it is something different. But this is kind of how I've decided, I think, that this next phase of my life, this is how I want to, want to contribute. We'll have more of my conversation with Lonnie Chen after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? 
you need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And now back to my conversation with Lonnie Chan. Talk a little bit about what the new gig would be. Uh, you mentioned the auditing uh, powers yeah. of the controller. Yeah. Uh, the other day on Twitter, uh, the sheriff of Los Angeles tweeted that, he, this is his tweet, over the last 10 years, both the city and county of Los Angeles have spent in excess of $6.5 billion on homeless programs, only to see the unhoused population go by grow from 39,000 to 80,000. It's time to end the deception, the failed policies that only lead to more death and destruction. And you responded on Twitter, very yeah. slyly, a very sort of a teaser tweet. You said, uh, someone should audit the spending to see where the billions have actually gone. Yeah. Is this some, the type of thing uh, you, you would be looking into? Is that is an example that you would you would say, okay, let's let's audit. Where the hell is the money for homelessness going? And San Francisco, we spend $300 million a year on homelessness. And, and, and to the extent that state dollars are being spent, it is within the controller's purview to audit that spending. And, and you know, Look, I think this is kind of a good government job, Joe. This is one of those where you want someone who is going to be, um, you know, in, in, in some ways looking at the substance rather than the politics, right? And the substance here to me is, what have we gotten for all this money that we're spending? You know, I don't think that, that any Californian begrudges the concept that we are investing to help people get off the streets and to, to find opportunity and eventually to, to be able to improve their, their situations. I don't think any Californian would say we shouldn't spend money on that. I certainly believe we should be investing in that. But what are we, what are we doing with the money? Where is it going? Like, can you answer why it is that all this money has been spent? I was in Los Angeles last week, and I will tell you, I think the situation there has gotten worse. It's certainly worse than I remember it as a kid going to downtown LA, and that was pretty bad. Now it is even worse in downtown Los Angeles. There are people, that, not just the tent cities, but also the amount of violence that's going on uh, that, that is unfolding before our very eyes. And so these are the sorts of things where uh, we just need answers, okay? I, I, I'm, in it, I'm in this to give people answers, to say, where are we spending this money? The audit function is just one element of the controller's job, but it's a very important element because the controller can very aggressively and without anyone's permission, this is the thing I love, Joe, is that we actually, people don't realize this, we have a controller, we have a treasurer, and we have an auditor. We have all three jobs in California, okay? The, the treasurer looks after the money coming in and addresses kind of you know, pu public markets and bond rating issues. Uh, the controller really is responsible for money out. The auditor looks at things, but only with the permission of the legislature. And the legislature has to ask the auditor to do things. The controller can go off and do them on his or her own which is kind of fun, right? You can go and say, what are we doing in all these different areas? And not just spending on the homeless, by the way. There are all sorts of questions about uh, how's the Medi-Cal program doing? How's the in-home supportive services program doing? High-speed rail. What's happening with the high-speed rail authority, right? Where's all that money going? And then, of course, an issue that you've talked about and others have, have reported on as well, the unemployment insurance fiasco here in California. That is something, classic example, that if the controller had been on this issue 10 or 15 years ago, I dare say we might not be where we are today. 
Uh, and, and uh, you know, these are the sorts of issues that, get, as you can tell, I get very excited by audit. It's a little I, weird, this, right? This, that's a, that's a, that's very Strange. impressive. Yes, someone that is very said impressive. someone not, said to me not the surprising other day, coming from you, but yes, very someone impressive. said to me the other day, you should have your head examined. Maybe you were dropped on your head as a child. I think maybe maybe that's right because this audit stuff is very exciting to me. And then beyond the audit, there's other functions as well. They they serve on the public pension boards. So I'd love to bring some more accurate and transparent accounting to the pension boards. Uh, they have the ability to hold other politicians accountable, to go in as a check and balance. And that's really another thing that excites me is, is having that independence. Uh, you, you ticked off several of the, of the questions I was going to ask you about things that you would audit or, or, or do audits on. Another one I would say, what about how much, uh, this is a very big question now in many cities in California, how much do, does a city or a county, municipality, the state spend on police services? And yep. uh, that, would you look into something like that? And how you, about the discipline of police officers? Would that be something you'd be looking at too? Well, you, you, you have the ability, again, anytime you're talking about state taxpayer money, you have the ability to go in and really dig in on these issues. And so thinking about, you know, to what extent we've got dollars that are passed through, by the way, federal dollars that come into the state, those also are part of the purview of the controllers providing some accountability for, for what's happening with those federal dollars as well. So there's all sorts of different um, issues. But, but, but again, I want to be clear about this. The, the controller is not necessarily a policymaker, okay, in the sense right. that the controller can't say, you know, we want to do this specific thing with housing policy. That's really the job of the legislature and the governor. The controller can say, once you all have made that decision, Let's make sure you're living up to your promises. Let's make sure that you're actually doing what you say you do. So whether it's in law enforcement issues or housing or water, which is another very big issue these days, thinking about how state taxpayer money is being spent, uh, that is going to be my purview and my job. And that's something I take very seriously. Well, you've got the policy unlock. Let's talk about the politics. That's going to be your biggest challenge here. Yeah. And running as a Republican in California, none have won statewide since 2006. Uh, we got some, some questions you're going to be asked. Let's, let's go to them. Uh, you've often referred to Trump on TV with me and, uh, and elsewhere. This is a bit of a lightweight on policy. Did you vote for him in 2016 or 2020? You know, I understand this question is going to get asked. I understand why it's getting asked. Um, I'm not going to define my candidacy through the prism of the former president. I'm not going to define it through the prism of any politician. I'm focused on California. I'm focused on the future. Uh, and, and that's really what I want to talk about in this campaign. What I'm going to do as controller, what my ideas are, that's really, in, in my mind, the question I am most excited about, about addressing going forward. So you're not, going to, you're not going to say whether you voted for Trump or not? I, you know, listen... I, again, I am not about looking at the past. I'm about looking forward and what I'm going to do uh, as controller. What about, uh, you, you wrote policy for Governor Romney and yep. Marco Rubio, and they, they have uh, policies on many issues that are uh, to the right of where most Californians are. Yeah. And you're going to be asked about this. What about where are on abortion rights? Because you may want to uh, audit how much the state spends on abortion. They're like, where's Lonnie on, at on that? Yeah. You know, the, here again, you know, I want to go to this distinction. The controller is not a policymaker. The controller is about enforcing the laws of this state. And to the extent that those are laws that exist now, those are laws that I will enforce as controller. I have no interest in changing the law in, 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 in any of this regard. So uh, I, I think it's important, Joe, like there's all sorts of questions that people will want to know answers to about all sorts of different issues. I think part of the challenge in our politics now is that we don't focus enough and often enough on 
what are we asking this person to go do? And are they qualified and ready to go do that job? That's what I want to focus on. And so I want people to be very clear that the controller's responsibility is to ensure we all understand where that money is being spent. And that's the job I'm going to go do. Now, your likely opponent in the, uh, should you make it through the primary, or actually in the primary too, would be Malia Cohen. She's now serving on the State Board of Equalization. Before that, she was on the uh, member of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. And if she won, she will be one of the few Black women ever to hold state office in California, if she won. Why are you a better candidate than her? Well, for, first of all, you know, all everyone's got a long way to go before we get to the general election. The, the, the race, as I understand it, is, you know, f- folks are still making some decisions on it. And so, you know, I don't want to comment on specific candidacies or specific people. I will say this. I, I want people to understand my ideas and what I plan to do for this state and why it is that I've got a vision that I believe they're going to find compelling on the issues that are, that are specific to this office. And I am gonna present that vision, I'm gonna present it clearly, and I, I'd be happy to have a, a debate on, on those issues. I have very little interest uh, you know, in, 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 in terms of engaging in the, um, in the kind of down in the dirt politics that a lot of people seem to, to like these days. That, that's not really me. Um, you know, I, I, all the people who will get into this race, I am sure are, are good people and they, they have good intentions. My background is different. Uh, my background is not in career politics. It's not in one elected office to another. It's in looking at this and bringing dynamism and energy from the outside and saying, how can we address these problems? And that's really what I'm all about. And, and, and I think that will be compelling to people. I think that contrast will be compelling to people. What, uh, uh, you mentioned earlier that you, you know, you, you come, you started in politics without a network, and obviously you've you've built one up through the years uh, through Romney World, uh, Marco Rubio, Republican yeah. politics, Republican Senate campaign. You you consulted for them. Uh, what about the money? It, it costs a ton of money to it run. Does. You could have you could have run in Rhode Island, but you you're running in California, the most yeah. expensive state to run in for someone who is not a career politician. Yeah, you'll have the party, but they you know they don't have a lot of bucks to throw around. Will you have enough money to run a, a credible race, run the race that you want to run? Yeah, I, I believe we will. I believe this message that I'm talking about of, of change, of accountability and transparency and fiscal responsibility, I think it's going to resonate with people throughout the state. So I, I do believe we will have a well-resourced campaign that's able to get our message out. And, and I think that, again, you know, that is going to resonate with people all over the state, Southern California, Northern California, North State, Coastal California. Uh, we hope to get support. I hope to get support from all over the state, from people in different walks of life. And, you know, it, it's, it's about the vision for where our state can go. And that's what makes me the most excited is to be able to talk about it. I mean, Joe, honestly, when I think about doing this, there's a lot of things about getting into elective politics that will be very different, I know. And what are you least looking forward to with this? Well, I, you know, I think part of the challenge is going to be it's a huge state. It's a huge state with a lot of people. And getting all over the state is, you know, and I I I love time with my family. Uh, you know, we my wife and I have two two relatively young kids and we love spending time together. And you know, I, I know it's going to take sacrifice because I want to get out there and I want to see people and I want to meet them to the extent that we can do it safely going forward. That's something I want to do. 
Um, and, and just, just knowing that our lives are going to change in that way, that our routines are going to change, you know, even I, I dropped off my daughter this morning at camp before I, I, I came to talk to you, you know, the, these things are just going to be a lot harder. And, and yeah. that to me is just trying to work through those schedules and work through what life is going to look like. I think that'll, that'll be the biggest challenge, but I was going to say, it, it's just a huge state and, and, but it's a great state. Um, you, you know, you're right. I could have run a campaign in Rhode Island for a lot less, but that first of all, that wouldn't be who I, who I am because I have nothing to do with Rhode Island. But second of all, I, I, I love California. You know, I, I'm a homer for California. And, you know, it, it makes me a little angry when people kind of are out there saying these things about California, uh, you know, is, is the past. California is not the past. Um, but we're going to have to make some changes if we want to be successful going forward. So that, that I find exciting. I think that message is going to resonate. And I think we're going to have the resources we need to compete. You've lived uh, your life in, in, in policy world. You you are an academic. You're, you're still you're teaching at Stanford, yeah. at the Hoover Institution. Where do you uh, one thing about being a politician, you know, is that they do uh, by uh, force of the job have to go out and grip and grin and, and talk yeah. to people all over the place. Where do you where do you interact with you know real people? Uh, <laughs> you know people who are not in academia or, in, or on CNN and such. Where do you, how do you connect with them? Stanford and the Hoover Institution are not exactly illustrative places. I, I understand <laughs> that. But, true. you know, I enjoy doing a lot of things in my community. And, you know, it's a community that clearly politically is, is very different from, you know, where, where I'm at. Obviously, I'm, I'm a Republican. I've been a Republican for, for my entire life. Um, and I, you know, a lot of people around me are, are progressives. And, you know, we are able to be in community together. And it's, and it's great. You know, I coach my son's Little League baseball team. I have for a couple of years now. Uh, you know, really enjoy being involved in the community that way. I also help run our community hospital here in, in the Mountain View, uh, you know, Silicon Valley area, El Camino You're Health. On the I've board been on. or? I've, I've, been, I've been chair of the board of directors there. And so have really gotten in and dug in and understood through that what the needs of our community are from a health perspective. Um, you know, so that, that's been a tremendous experience. So there are a lot of different ways in which I... Um, I guess I travel in a lot of different circles and have had the opportunity to meet people from all different walks of life through my work at the hospital, through stuff I do in my community, uh, through our faith life, which is something else, uh, you know, for, for us, which is important, obviously. And then uh, I, I would say as an immigrant, a child of immigrants and, and having an immigrant upbringing, um, you know, just people who I've known over the years, who I've grown up with, who have gone on to do all sorts of different things. They're not all at Stanford. They're not all at Hoover. And, and, and hearing from them about, you know, what it is that worries them about California as they think about the state going forward. Those conversations are tremendously useful to me. And, and by the way, I look forward to meeting many more Californians through this journey. Everybody who I've talked to who's gone through this process of running for office has said that the one thing they have enjoyed, um, if not the most, that they've enjoyed a lot, is getting to meet lots of new people from different walks of life. And I certainly look forward to and, and will enjoy that opportunity as well. Okay. And you're a friendly guy. You get out there uh, enough. What would, would be one, one final thing? What, uh, as a Republican, and you're, you're wanting to uh, sort of run this campaign as someone who is not a, a doctrinaire Republican, right. um, what's, what's one uh, policy stance that, would, that uh, progressive, progressives, liberals, Democrats might be surprised that you hold and have evolved on over those? Because I... You, you, well, you surprise me every once in a while. But yeah, you know, I mean, I, um, I participate in a number of bipartisan groups on all sorts of different issues. When we talk about economic mobility, to uh, health care, to even fiscal issues, you know, there, there have definitely been things over the years that I have felt 
um, you know, may, may, may seem contrarian to, to people on the center right. Look, I, you know, I think climate change has to be addressed. And I believe it's an issue that we have to look at, you know, not just talk about, but we have to think about what are the ways that we can actually do our part as Californians and Americans. We aren't going to solve the problem on our own. And I fully understand that. And people who say that are absolutely right. We're not going to solve it on our own. But we can take some leadership in terms of saying, listen, this is an issue we believe is serious, that we believe we have some contribution to, and we believe we can play some role in changing. And, and so that's something, you know, I know that that's not necessarily a, a position that's widely held amongst, you know, people all across the political spectrum. But for me, at least, it is something that, um, that I would like to see addressed, because I think it's an important thing, not just for, you know, I mean, you and I'll be long gone, but for our, you know, for kids yeah. and for future generations, um, California is such a beautiful state. You know, I flew uh, back yesterday, flew over the Sierras, and you look at the majesty of the Sierras to our beautiful coastline. There's so much about this state that is tied up with the natural beauty of it. And while I'm not a particularly outdoorsy guy, it's something that I believe in preserving and, and protecting. So that, that's probably an area where, um, you know, where, where I might part ways with some uh, fellow travelers. And uh, one more thing you mentioned earlier, I want to make this clear for the listeners. Uh, you said you worked for the Obama administration briefly. You served on a, in a commission. Well, yeah, right? actually, I was a member. I, I was appointed by President Obama to the Social Security Advisory Board, which is a bipartisan, independent government agency. And by, by law, it has to have both Republicans and Democrats by party affiliation registration who serve on it. And, and I served on, on that board actually for four years. I was confirmed, I was appointed by Obama and, and his team, confirmed by the United States Senate to a spot on this, on this board. And I'll tell you, you talk about difficult issues where there often isn't compromise, social security is one of them. But those of us on that commission, Republicans and Democrats alike, recognized how important social security is to, to, the, you know, to, the, to many Americans, to many Californians for me as I looked at it. So we tried to make the program work better every single day. And there were areas, people might be surprised, where Republicans and Democrats actually could agree on making the program better, strengthening it, improving it. So uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't shy away from that fact that, I, that I've had experience with both Republicans and Democrats. And I think that's gonna help me do this job well. I am not someone who is gonna go up there and sit in a partisan silo. I am not someone who's gonna go up there and just toe the party line. And if that's what people expect, they're gonna be disappointed. But if they want someone who's going to solve problems and work together with other Californians to get things done, uh, I think they'll they'll find my message appealing. All right. And, and what are you going to do with your other gigs? You're going to keep doing, and we'll, we'll continue to see you on TV yeah. and such. Well, okay. yeah, I, I I I don't know about media. You know, they, they've all got rules about you know who can appear and when, so that that's a little bit out of my control. But I do plan on teaching still. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach my usual uh, classes at Stanford coming this fall and winter. Uh, you know, I love the opportunity to, um, to, to teach the future. And uh, I love my colleagues. I love the kind of work that I do. I, I'm an educator at, at core as well. And so we're going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep, you know, writing on, on stuff of interest. I'm going to keep staying involved. There's a couple of bipartisan dialogues I'm involved in now on issues as wide ranging as economic mobility and healthcare. I'm going to stay involved in those. Uh, and, you know, I, I want to keep contributing to the policy conversation, but my primary focus until this election is concluded is going to be making the case for why I think I should be California's next controller. 
I I never thought I'd say this, but I think I'll be writing more about the controllers race than I hey, ever have before. I guess you know what? This will be great. We can we can next time we'll talk about unclaimed property and probate. Oh my God, referees. Jesus! What a, what a horrible podcast that would be. But uh, but you I I think you would you would really enjoy it. This is the you are a, a wonk at heart, and good no. luck uh, for a, 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 on this run. And uh, and we will I'm sure we'll be talking again. This Thanks. could be at least two conversations two episodes of it's all political about the controllers race which would be a new indoor record that would be it that would be historic <laughs> that would be historic all right take it easy thank Thanks. you Lonnie, Good for to being see you, on it's all political. i appreciate it all right. okay. thank you i'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy i'd like to thank lonnie for being here today and sharing his news with you i'd like to thank karen creighton for producing this episode a shout out for our fabulous theme music. That song you're listening to is Cattle Call, and it's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. And remember, whether you nerd out on audits or not, it's all political. <laughs>